Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. And I am joined by, I was going to say an old friend, but let's say a longtime friend. I like that better. Julie Weisenhorn is with us this morning. Hi, Julie. I think Julie's with us. Here. Hello. I'm here. There she is. You bet. <laughs> How are you, Julie? I'm good. You're sounding kind of faint. Oh, I am. <laughs> Yeah, like I you're think. talking far away. <laughs> well, I suppose I am a few miles, but uh, well, we'll, we'll see if we can't crank it up a little bit here. Well, Julie Weisenhorn, as you know, is with the U of M and uh, has helped us out for a long time now here on CCO. And in fact, Julie, we are already getting uh, questions via the text. And let's, in the meantime, invite our listeners to call in their questions. The same number, 651-989-9226 is our phone number and text number. Again, 651-989-9226. One thing that, well, you've probably been hearing about it too, Julie, in the very first text we got this morning is, it says, they're here, and the texter is talking about (laughs) Japanese beetles. Yes, yeah, the Japanese beetles. We've been getting reports from around the state that the Japanese beetles have emerged, so it's time to get out there with, those uh, buckets of soapy water and start picking those uh, little buggers off your plants. Well, I, this one, this particular texter is, is, was saying that uh, uh, they had so many, it was ridiculous. They tried to pick them off, uh, put them in water. The population was out of control. So, uh, Wow, already. Know. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, again, 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. We have a, a clear line if you want to call it in. Uh, but texters continue to flood in, as usual. Uh, what's been happening in your life, Julie? It's been a long time since you and I've chatted. And uh, how have you been? I have been good. I've been good. We've been healthy at our house. And um, we have been busy with, uh, we've gotten a lot of house projects done in our spare time. But uh, both Carl and I are working from home. And so we are you know, he's down in his office, and I'm up in my office, and and uh, that's pretty much been it for us. We've we've uh, just yeah, just been kind of uh, trying to do our best to stick to the recommendations to stay healthy, and and uh, that's about it. How about you? Yeah, doing the same thing, trying to trying to stay safe, and and like you said, getting getting some things done. A lot of the uh, outdoor work around the house. Uh, right. Let alone indoor. Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of nice to get out there. Um, and what's happening at the arboretum? Uh, is that 
still open? And what's the story there that you can tell us? Yeah, so the Arboretum is open, and you need to make a reservation. Uh, it's uh, free entry to members, of course, as usual. But uh, if you're not a member, and everybody should become a member, it's a wonderful, great place to support and so much to learn. And it is open for uh, visitors, so we encourage people to do that. All right. Very good. Uh, we're getting calls, too, besides text messages. Let's uh, let's Great. grab a call before we uh, get too far adrift. I think Tom is calling first from Golden Valley. Tom, you're on with Julie. Uh, good morning. I have a very old bed of variegated snow on the mountain. It is gradually turning unvariegated. The green leaves are becoming more and more prominent. Is there anything I can do to stop that? Yeah, Tom, there really isn't anything to do. That, uh that is uh, just a feature of the plant. Uh, when the variegated form is created uh, or developed, it's, uh, it, it does have a tendency in its genetic makeup to revert back to the solid green. That is what its true form is. And we see that with variegated plants periodically, such as dogwoods, variegated dogwoods. Sometimes you'll see green leaves on those. Uh, yep, the snow on the mountain is definitely one of those as well. So there's nothing to really do. I would just pull out those plants that are green and or just enjoy it for its variety. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for the call. Tom leaves That's that line open, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Let's go to a mayor. I think Helen is uh, there with a question for you. Helen, what is your question? My question is I've cut all the tulips, the iris, and the peonies, and now these lupins, they're great big potty <laughs> seedy pods on there. Do I trim those off too or just let them on the plant? Lupin. You I think you can leave those on you can take those off of the off the plant. I can. And they will yes. grow again next year. I mean they keep coming up the same place every year. Yep, they will keep coming up. So I should take them off too. Yes. All right. Thank you much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, Helen. A, t- a texter says this, Julie, I started tomato plants inside. They looked great when I put them out, but now the leaves have all started to curl and are slightly uh, deformed. The plants continue to grow well. What's wrong with the plants and what can I do to take care of the problem? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, the tomatoes, uh, when they start to curl, it could be the first thing I think of is um, that if there was any herbicide that was possibly sprayed near them, they're very sensitive to that, and possibly that could have affected them. Um, but if that's not the case, if they haven't used any of that, they can certainly take a look at what's wrong with my plant, which is our diagnostic tool on our Extension website. And that is at extension.umn.edu. And go to the, to the fruit section or vegetables. We have tomatoes listed under both. They're technically fruits. But they can go ahead and uh, look for that under the leaf curl. Sometimes it has to do with temperature. And we've had some pretty hot weather. And it could be that the plant was a little bit uh, a drought stressed or a little bit heat stressed. And so it's curling its, uh, its uh, leaves to kind of protect them. But take a look at what's wrong with my plant. That's a really excellent tool, and it has tons of photos that will help you to maybe diagnose what that is. I think this that may apply to our next uh, texter, too. 
comes from Carol from North Oaks, who says, I purchased a single tomato plant to use as a patio plant. The plant's growing very well, about three feet high, but no blooms. Will I get any fruit, or do I have a barren plant? Would they be helped by that website as well, Julie? Uh, I think actually with that one, it's probably that the plant is just still maturing, and it Mm -hmm. may not have any blooms. It might be three feet tall, but it could also be a type of tomato that uh, blooms a little bit later. And so I would just, uh, I would kind of, uh, you know, kind of keep it healthy, keep it watered, uh, maybe give it, give it a shot of uh, some tomato um, fertilizer, and that might help to actually uh, push it into bloom. Sometimes when the heat gets, gets uh, kind of dramatic and we've had these really hot days all of a sudden, uh, that can kind of push plants back, kind of prevent them from, you know, flowering well or fruiting well. So um, it, it kind of sounds backwards, I know, but, but uh, it, it, the plant, I would just keep uh, working on the plant, or you can also go and buy another plant too. So you have a couple of options there. Yeah, and looking at the forecast, Julie, it looks like we're going to be around 90 for the next five, six, seven days yes. or so. Yeah, yeah it's going to be very warm. So we're going to need to keep an eye on those plants, especially if they're young plants that you've recently planted. I just planted some tomato plants in a pot on my deck, and I'm going to be keeping an eye on those for sure. Absolutely. Julie, we need to take a bit of a break here. We'll have more show to come. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie Weisenhorn, call it in or text it in, same number, 651-989-9226. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Julie Weisenhorn is with us from the University of Minnesota helping you out this morning. Uh, we have texters, Julie. We have callers. In fact, to tell you what, let's go back to the phones. I think uh, Pete is first up here calling from Otsego. Pete, you are on uh, CCO with Julie. Yes, good morning. Hey, good morning. I've got, got two questions if I can sneak them in. First is with regard to tomatoes and watering them. I have been watering my tomatoes regularly, but on a couple of the plants, the lower leaves are turning yellow, which is usually too much water. Right. Uh, actually, it can be a couple of things. There are some uh, soil-borne pathogens, so these are diseases, that can affect tomatoes, and they can cause the yellowing of leaves and those leaves to drop off. So there, it could be, uh, if, they're in a, if they're in a container and you're overwatering them till they're just saturated, then definitely you can back off on that. If they're in a garden, usually... Uh, putting some mulch around the base of that plant might help a little bit to prevent some of that splashing up under the leaves. But you could pick those yellowing leaves off. Okay, thank you. And if I, a quick question. I started three catalpa trees this past March, and they're about 10, 12 inches high. Nice. Do you think I can plant them outside now? They're in a five-gallon bucket. Yeah, yeah you could. You can certainly plant those out right now, and you just want to protect them. I would put some screening around them to prevent any of the bunnies from chewing them down. Uh, and then also I would just, just keep an eye on those, mulch them around the base, even though they're small. Uh, that will help to hold in moisture in the soil. And that's the biggest downfall of young plants is, is that they dry out. They either get eaten by rabbits or they dry out. So, uh, so screening them to protect them from critters and then also mulching them and being sure that you're keeping them watered, especially in the heat. And if they have been sitting in a protected area, you want to you want to kind of carefully acclimate them while they're in their pots 
into full sun. And then uh, so that, that when, when you get them in the ground that they're uh, not quite so, there's not such a dramatic transplant shock. Oh, very good. Thank you, Pete. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Anoka, our next stop here. I think Jan is there. Jan, you're on with Julie. Hi. Thank you. For Hello. Me. Good morning. <laughs> My tomato plants are blooming wonderfully, but there is no fruit setting. What is the problem? Well, while we were on that commercial break, I did a little bit of research online. And one of the things that's interesting about tomatoes is excessive heat uh, slows down their production. So, and that sounds backwards because uh, you would think that tomatoes, which are warm season crops, really, really like a lot of heat. But uh, they, when the daytime temperatures are up in the 90s, which we've had a number of them, and the nights are in the 70s, and we've had some that are kind of close to that actually, uh, those tomato plants will keep blooming, but sometimes the flowers will fall off. And that might have happened with the previous caller who has the three-foot-tall plant, no flowers. And sometimes fruit does not set. So uh, what to do about that? There's really nothing that we can do about it. Um, you can fertilize the plant and see if that helps. Uh, you can just keep it watered. You could move it maybe into a little bit of shade if it's in a container. Uh, or protect it with some shade cloth if it's out in your uh, garden. And, uh, and that's kind of all you can do because, of course, we can't change the weather. So um, the last thing is that if you don't get a good tomato crop, you can always uh, reach out to local farmers and uh, see about getting tomatoes from them. Very good. Uh, a texter says this, Julie, how do I bolster my lily of the valley flower bed? It is sparse. Years ago, I tried adding lilies to the bed and disrupted the root system. Please help me. How to bolster the flower bed? I think, uh, if I understand correctly, they want a, they want more uh, flowering plants, and like um, maybe they get a lot of leaves. I guess uh, certainly adding or working in any kind of compost is good to do. That you can top dress that uh, area with compost, and it will work its way down into the soil over to, oh, with rain and watering, etc. Um, you want to also uh, probably thin it out a little bit. Um, it might be that you've got some older plants that are not good bloomers anymore, and you want to make room for younger plants for them to bloom. Um, that's probably it. Usually people are asking how to get rid of Lily of the Valley because it's such a prolific grower. Um, you might also try introducing some new plants, is actually buying some plants, and introducing those. Sometimes our plants just get worn out, and they only have they only have so much of a lifespan, and it and you might need to introduce some new ones. I have a variety of lily of the valley that's actually a pale pink, which is quite nice. So uh, it's planted in a separate area of my garden in the shade. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Julie. I know we were coming up against the bottom of the hour break, and we'll have a look at that hot forecast. So uh, let's remind our listeners we have another half hour of the show to go. If you want to send Julie a phone call or send Julie a text, same number, 651-989-9226. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, answering your lawn and garden questions. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn is helping you out here on CCO. Julie from her house, Denny Long here <laughs> from mine. 
And uh, we have callers, Julie. We have textures. So let's uh, let's get back to it. I think Judy is calling in from St. Paul. Judy, you're on with Julie. Good morning. morning. Good morning. Hi, I have a showy lady slipper that I, that I purchased about four springs ago. And when I planted it, it was blooming. The next spring, it didn't come up at all. The next spring and this spring, it's erupted about three inches, and that's all the taller it's gotten. And then it, you know, it just sort of withers away. And okay. I wanted, I don't know, it's in a very sunny spot. And I have since read that it needs some shade, and if I moved it, hoping that it would, you know, uh, revive, would I take as much soil around it and put it in, or would I take, shake off most of the soil so the roots were there? I mean, I don't know how to do that. Okay. But I don't want to lose the plant. It's I paid about 50 bucks for this one bloom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a pricey plant. You made an ad- you really made an investment in that plant. Um, the lady slippers have a uh, real specific need for um, certain fungi, fungi that's in the soil. And so they're called mycorrhizae. And uh, oftentimes what happens that I've, at least if, what I've heard from people who have done uh, kind of the same thing, Judy, is that they've purchased this plant, is that the soil that they are planted in uh, here in uh, or, you know, wherever it is, is not uh, the equivalent of the soil that they were growing in originally. So they're very, they have a very tight relationship with their type of soil. And it has to be uh, very uh, hummusy or humusy. And it needs to be with a high organic matter. It needs to be well-drained. Um, and it needs to also have this beneficial fungi that's in the soil that uh, helps it to grow. So it's very much of a risk, I think, to, to try to grow a showy lady slipper. And I don't know where you live, so I'm not sure what your soil type is. Um, but to to purchase one and try to grow it is 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 quite um, quite a feat. And I think what I would recommend is you can certainly try to move it, and because it's certainly not growing well where it is, and do move it into a, an area that maybe is a part shade area, has a little bit more a shade of the showy lady slippers I've seen do grow in ditches up in northern Minnesota on their own in their natural environment, but they're always, there's always some kind of shading around them, and that would probably be beneficial. The other thing to do is take as much of the soil around it as you possibly can, both around it and under it to dig it up, and then do your best to uh, dig a nice big hole and then put it into that and keep that soil ball intact as best you can. So uh, good luck. Uh, it's a challenge, and uh, I hope that it blooms for you next year. Very good. Texter wants to know, Julie, can I move rhubarb, peonies, and hostas now? Uh, you would want to wait. Uh, you could move the rhubarb. Rhubarb is pretty resilient. It's be- really best to move rhubarb and hostas in the spring just because the plants are so big. And uh 
And so you could move that. It just kind of depends. When you go to move a plant and it's not the best time of year for it, it has, you really should have a good reason for it. In other words, you're going to do some construction or something is going to happen to that area that they're in that you're going to lose the plant if you don't move it. But right now, if you can just leave them and move them in the spring when they're smaller, I think you're going to have a much better uh, outcome. And it's also going to be easier to move them as well. Now, the peony is different. The peony should be moved in August. And so you want to wait on that one. And those are very difficult to move. They have very long, very fleshy, tuberous roots. So you want to be prepared to dig really deeply and get as much of that root as you possibly can. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. I think John is hanging on there from uh, Menominee. John, you're on with uh, Julie. Thanks for waiting. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a four-year-old maple tree that has developed a vertical bark split. It's about maybe two feet long or so. Will that eventually heal itself, or do I need to do something? That is probably a frost crack. So uh, this happens on young trees because their bark is quite thin. And essentially, it happens in the winter when that side of the tree gets warmed up from a winter sun and, and the, uh, the bark will split as it cools down and you get these, frost, they're called frost cracks. It may, because the tree is young, it may heal itself. That's certainly a possibility. And what you'd want to do then is a couple of things. Uh, when it's fall, uh, you want to get some uh, a tree guard, which is a white corrugated plastic tube that's slit down one side, and put that around the trunk of the tree. What that will do is reflect any kind of sunlight and keep that keep the cells in that trunk from thawing out during the winter sun and then refreezing. So it'll keep them actually to reflect that sun and keep that trunk at a consistent temperature. That's the first thing. Then this year, during, especially during this hot weather, you want to be sure that you're watering that tree enough. And enough means that, uh, you can, you know, that you can feel the soil. And if it's dry, you want to water it. Uh, put a nice uh, soaker hose on it. Or you can put uh, a little sprinkler. That, and just focus on, on the root zone of that tree. And then you want to mulch that tree, uh, mulch that root zone. And we recommend a six-foot diameter mulch ring around every tree. And the reason for this is you can easily then mow around it without damaging the trunk further. It will also keep that soil moist and keep that soil temperature moderate. In other words, it will keep those roots cool. Most of our shade tree roots are in the top 18 inches of soil. And those fine roots at the top are, are the roots that absorb and take up water for the rest of the tree. In other words, you're keeping the tree as comfortable as you possibly can. That will help to aid in hopefully healing that frost crack. Julie, we, uh, as you know, get new listeners all the time here on the show. And maybe uh, those new listeners are not familiar with a great resource that you guys have put together at the U of M. Uh, what, what's that website again? Our website is extension.umn.edu, and you want to go to Yard and Garden. You can just Google that, and it should come up as well. And we have all sorts of great information in there. We have vegetables A to Z. If you're growing vegetables in your yard and you have a question that we didn't get to here on the show, you can go to vegetables A to Z. That will help you. We have an excellent fruit section if you're growing any fruits in your yard. 
and we have terrific flower and a lot of pollinator information as well as trees and shrubs. So uh, you can also listen to the CCO uh, Smart Garden uh, podcast too. If you miss the show one week or you want to go back and listen, you can certainly do that. That, that. that link is also on our webpage, as well as a link to our Yard and Garden News, which we write every two weeks about current things that we see going on right now. Lots of good stuff there for sure. Yep, it's uh, awesome. I'll tell you what, it really is. You guys do a lot of work on it. A texter says this, Julie, what do you do with June strawberry plants when finished producing? What do you do with June strawberry plants? You keep them healthy so that they produce next June. <laughs> and, uh, and by doing that, I, w- I would recommend that you mulch around the base of those plants with some, you can use uh, some untreated grass clippings. You can use leaf mulch. That's what I use around my strawberry plants. And that, just like with the tree example that I gave just a few minutes ago, that mulch helps to hold in moisture It also will uh, moderate and keep those roots cooler when we get into this really hot weather. And it also will break down and add carbon to the soil, which is an important part of uh, good soil health. So just keep them as healthy as you can. Very good. Back to the phones we go. Ed is calling from Worthington this morning with a question. Ed, you're on with Julie. Yeah, I have a lilac tree that's sprawling out pretty big time and how much to trim off of that safely uh you would want to take maybe uh, a third of it off at the most and the reason for that is you don't want to take any more uh, any more of the leaf cover off because it will cut back on the amount of nutrients that that plant can uh, create for the rest of the plant so those leaves are photosynthesizing they're, they're putting energy back into the plant. So about a third of the canopy is about all you want to take off. All right, very good. Thanks, Ed. Uh, 651-989-9226 is the phone number and text number. Julie, we started the show with a text uh, asking about Japanese beetles. This texter says, can I put grub eggs down now for those beetles? I don't believe this is the time for grub eggs. And you want to be sure, first of all, if you're seeing adult Japanese beetles, it does not necessarily mean you have grubs in your lawn because these adults can fly. They are strong insects. They can fly from yard to yard. And just seeing the, the adults in your garden is not a guarantee that you have grub problems. So putting down grub X without identifying a grub problem in your lawn would be needless uh, you know, insecticide in your, on your property. So if you do have grub issues, I would just uh, refer you to our Japanese beetle uh, publication, Managing Japanese Beetles in Our Garden, and it will have a whole section on grubs. And uh, the, really the way to tell if you have grubs is to, if you have dead areas of your lawn and you can literally pick up that dead grass and it comes up like a carpet, uh, that indicates the grubs, they chew off the roots of the grass, and they leave, of course, the top part of the grass, which dies. So if you can pull that up, then you probably have a grub issue. And uh, But I would refer you to that grub section of the Japanese beetle publication on our extension site. And the extension site is? Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden, and then go to, just type in Japanese beetles in the search box, and it'll pop right up first thing. 
Excellent. Hang on, uh, Julie. We're going to take a quick break here. We have more show to come on our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Julie Weisenhorn helping you out this morning. Julie, we still have callers. We still have texters. So let's uh, see how many uh, folks we can help before you take your leave today. I think Bill in Minneapolis is first up here on the phone has been waiting. Bill, thank you. What is your question? Yes. Am I on? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hi. Thanks, guys, for taking my call. Um, I have a question about um, hollyhocks. I need some advice on how to help the foliage on the lower portion of these tall, stalked plants that have such nice blooms on them. The blooms coming in are fine, but the leaves, especially in the lower portion of the plant, seem to be plagued by these I don't know what exactly they are. I've heard varying opinions on them, but they are little pods, whether they're insects or just secretions from the plant or just what. But they insulate themselves in these little pods on the leaves, and they literally eat the leaves right off. And it looks very unsightly on the lower portions of the plant. I've heard a variety of solutions. One of them, soap and water, I tried. That didn't do very well, but i just looking for various recipes here. What do you recommend to solve this problem, if you know what I mean here? And I'll hang up and listen. Okay. Okay. I think, uh, I'm guessing that it sounds like there's an insect that there are eggs that are laid on those lower leaves, and the insect hatches and then starts eating away. Um Without seeing it, I'm not really sure what it is, and I'm sorry that I can't give you an answer this morning. But what, here's what I'd recommend. Take some pictures, some really good, clear pictures of the issue. We like to see the whole plant. We like to see the folk, you know, a close-up on the troubled area. If you can turn the leaf over and take a picture, that would be great, too. And then I would go on our website to ask extension. And, uh, and email it into, email those pictures and your question into the Master Gardeners. We have a whole roster of Master Gardeners right now who are answering people's questions on Ask Extension. And that will really help a lot is to email in those photos. So that's another tool, too, is if you have questions and uh, don't get on the show or, you know, we don't address them, you can always use that tool, too. And we make a point of responding within 24 hours. So we get back to people pretty darn fast. Well, that's pretty good, Julie, because we have a ton of text messages I know we're going to be <laughs> getting to. Uh, and I think we have time uh, for one more caller, and then we'll grab some text messages. Uh, Mike okay. is calling from Woodbury, I believe. Mike, you're on with Julie. Thank you. I have a question. I've got a couple of apple trees in my backyard, and it looks like a bumper crop of apples this year. What do I put on the trees or spray? to get rid of the little brown spots that are now on the surface of the apples? Oh, boy. Um, if you're seeing the spots already, and I'm trying to think what they might be, um, then it may be too late to, to apply any kind of a spray. It could be an insect damage like uh, plum curculio, or it could be also damage from the apple maggots. So uh, it probably will be too uh, too late to spray anything. It could be apple scab as well. If it's kind of a scaly-looking uh, spot, that could be it. If it's apple scab, it's probably not going to matter too much. It's not going to affect the taste of the apple necessarily uh, if it's just a spot here or there. Uh, we have some excellent uh, apple 
information, and it's called an IPM or a management uh, publication for that, for pests on apples. And again, I would recommend sending a picture of it on Ask Extension and see if we can give you a little bit better guidance about what that might be. So again, that's on extension.umn.edu and go to Ask Extension or Ask a Master Gardener. And you'll you'll, uh, get a screen where you can enter in your question and you can, I think it's up to three pictures can be attached to that uh, email and sent in. And again, we try to get back within 24 hours of asking the questions. So that would probably be a good way to go. Then we can zero in on it a little bit better. All right. There's a text, Julie, that says, uh, can a rose plant survive in a pot versus being in the ground? It, a rose plant can survive in a pot, yep. They make actually very, uh, very attractive container plants. The issue comes with winter. So if you have it growing in a container and you leave it outside during the winter, uh, it will freeze solid. It, it may not make it through the winter. So you can do a couple things. You can move it into a location that's protected, like uh, if you have a uh, heated garage that's you know, 45 degrees, you can move it in there and you can let it go dormant. You could actually in the fall, uh, like around August, you could plant it in your garden and then mulch and cover it and uh, overwinter it as a garden plant. Um, But you want to do that in the end of probably in August so that it has time to actually go dormant slowly uh, as we go into winter. But if you just leave it in a container, it is kind of a risk. Um, some people will, if it's a very small rose bush, like a miniature rose bush, some people might bring them indoors and grow them as a house plant through the winter. But if it's like a hybrid tea rose, uh, you could bury it. That's what they do at the Landscape Arboretum in the Wilson Rose Garden. They literally bury it. That's called the Minnesota tip method. And you could then dig it up in the spring and repot it up. You could try that. Okay. Here's a question, Julie, that we've had before, and I know you had probably a dozens of times. And here's what the text says. We have a large maple in our yard with a lot of shade. We can't get grass to grow, and I've tried to seed several times with no luck. Do you have any ground cover recommendations? Yeah, actually, the one that I'd recommend is Pachysandra or Japanese Spurge. It's a beautiful ground cover. It's a ever an evergreen ground cover. And it produces uh, some slightly fragrant little white flowers in the spring, which makes it a very nice pollinator plant as well. And it loves shade. So it's an excellent plant. We have it growing on the St. Paul campus right outside the door of my office underneath an enormous maple tree. And it does very, very well. It's a little expensive, a little on the pricey side. It does spread, but not, uh, it's not, I wouldn't call it an aggressive plant. So you might have to do some investing uh, into that. But maybe it's not too big an area. You can start with a smaller area. Do the deer like it? Uh, Do the deer like it? Well, they've never eaten it on campus. Hmm. (laughs) And we do have deer occasionally. But um, I I don't think they do because I've never heard anyone say that they do. But you know deer, they'll eat anything if they're hungry. That's right. That's right. Here's a text, Julie. It says, when is the best time to transplant ferns? Uh, Again, I would say in the spring as they're coming up. Right now, my ostrich ferns are beautiful, but if I tried to transplant one, it would be all wilted. I'd have to cut it back. 
and it wouldn't look like anything for the rest of the summer. So if you can wait till spring and transplant them as they're just starting to come up when they're in the fiddlehead stage, that's a good way. Uh, that's a kind of a good rule of thumb, I think, for ferns. It also gives them the rest of the summer to become established and uh, to put out a good solid root system. This text says we had a local nursery install 25-gallon darts gold nine-bark shrubs under our mature Canadian hemlock pine trees. Within one week, the leaves on 15 of the shrubs were completely wilted and brown. Do you think the plants will recover, or are they gone? I would call the place where you who yeah. planted them. I'd have them come out and take a look at them. Those plants are likely under plant warranty, and I would ask them, you know, what do you kind of what do we do about this? Um, they could be wilted just because we had this. We've had these really hot days, and they might revive. Uh, they might have to be cut back a little bit to take off some of the leaf tissue, so they don't have quite so much to support the roots do while they get established. Uh, hopefully, you've been watering them, uh, you know, every single day, because we haven't, at least where I am, we haven't had much rain at all. So it's a tough time to transplant big plants, especially as we go into the hot part of the summer. Julie, we have about a minute and a half to go or so. A uh, texter wants to know if you would uh, talk about pruning or deadheading peonies, bleeding heart, salvia, and veronica, when and how. Well, anytime these plants start to produce uh, their seed heads is the time to deadhead them. And, uh, and you can just, some of those like salvia, you can just cut back those stems and they should probably rebloom for you. Uh, peonies will not rebloom and you want to take them down. I think it's past the, uh, past the, the closest leaf to the flower head. So go down to a second, uh, leaf and cut just above it. But the other plants, yeah, you just want to deadhead those and that prevents, uh, the plant from putting a lot of energy into producing seed, which is not why you're growing those plants. And it will produce more energy for the root system and possibly for another bloom for you. Very good. We're just about out of time, Julie. It was great to hear from you. How about uh, giving that website once again before we head out of here? I would be happy to. Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. It has an excellent search box. You can just type your question into there as well. Easy enough. You have a good week, and as they say, stay cool, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, you too, Daddy. Good to hear from Uh, you. And, and you as well. Thanks, Julie. Julie Weisenhorn from uh, from the U of M. Yeah, it's a great website. Please do check it out. You're going to learn a lot, and it, uh, it's a great tool. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.